What's going on, everybody? I'm Dylan Patemri, and welcome back to another episode of Top Shelf. The draft is finally over, and what an exciting couple of days it has been for the hockey world. The draft was very entertaining for me seeing who falls where, and just because we really don't know for sure who is going to be the best talent. With COVID, it made it hard to scout some players, and some players didn't even play at all. Some got injured, and it was just kind of an all-jumble mess, and anyone could really be someone that wasn't really discovered and could become a future star. There's late first-rounders who maybe should have gone in the top five but didn't play at all, so then they just dropped down. There could be late, like, third-rounders who played over in Europe that weren't scouted that could be phenomenal talents. We're not really sure. We're just going to have to take a couple of years, wait and see who comes out of this draft. Um, it'll be really cool to evaluate this draft in a couple of years just to see um, how teams did in their drafting. But I'm going to try and do that today. But we also saw many blockbuster trades go down, and I'm going to get into those as well. So let's hop right on in to another episode of Top Shelf. Alrighty, so first I'm just going to talk about the NHL draft and some of my surprises I saw and some of the picks that I kind of liked. Um, but the first pick I got to talk about is the Ottawa Senators, who had the number 10 overall pick. Um, with this pick, they decided to take Tyler Boucher. Um, if you're not quite sure who Tyler Boucher is, that's all right. Um, he wasn't really projected to go this high. You may know his father, Brian Boucher, who is a former NHL goalie, and he's a hockey analyst. Um, so Tyler Boucher was ranked to be kind of in the second round area, maybe even dip into the third round. But that makes this all the more shocking. And everyone was like, this is an off-the-board pick. Um, now, obviously, maybe Ottawa knows something. Maybe they really like this player. But at the same time, Ottawa could have easily traded down um, if they want. If they really wanted Boucher, I guarantee you he wouldn't have gone probably in the top 20. So they could have easily traded this pick and gone down. Um, they also could have taken him with their second pick in the draft, uh, which I think they drafted somewhere around like 37-ish was when their second rounder was. Um, I could easily check it right here, um, right now, 39. 39 was when their second round pick was. They probably could have gotten him with that and could have drafted someone else. There was um, much better players available right then and there. Um, there was a Cole Sillinger rumor going around that they were going to pick him um, and that he had been linked with them, a very solid center with a great shot, um, could pair alongside of uh, Tim Stutzel. Uh and he ended up going right after Tyler Boucher to the next pick. There was also Matthew Coronado, who's a great goal scorer. There was tons of other options. There were still both goalies on the on the draft board and Sebastian Casa and um, Jesper Wallstedt. And I know that the so the Senators have a pretty good prospect pool for goalies, anyways. And they have Philip Gustafson coming up, who will probably be. They're starting goaltender, um, but you could still take the best player available. I just think that Boucher might have been drafted a bit too high. 
but who knows? Maybe maybe it pays off, and maybe they uh maybe they found the diamond in the rough that no one else saw. Another pick was CBY doing his thing. He's been so great the past couple of years as the GM for the Detroit Red Wings. Um, he traded up his 23rd pick to the number 15, and they decided to take Sebastian Kosa, the six foot six goaltender. Um, I was saying he could go before Wallstedt. Um, I also said these both guys could have gone in the top 20, or excuse me, in the top 10, and you shouldn't be surprised. They they both ended up falling down a bit, but he did get drafted before Wallstedt. Um, obviously, the size of the goalies, something very big that GMs look at. He's six foot six, uh, played for the Edmonton Oil Kings. Um, yeah, and then also they the Red Wings also had the sixth pick, um, which they selected Simone Edmondson. Um, the Swede, um, which they now have two big-bodied guys. They have Edvinson, who's six foot four, um, is a left-handed defenseman, and then they drafted Marie Sider um, a couple of years ago with the fourth pick, I believe, and he's six foot five. So that that's a very solid defense that they have there, and they have Wallander, who they selected last year as well. So really stocking up on the defenses quite the Detroit Red Wings type of move to do. That's kind of how they seem like they like to build their teams, start with the back and then move your way forward. Um, another, a team that just absolutely blew it once again, and we shouldn't be surprised, is the Edmonton Oilers. Now the Edmonton Oilers had the 20th overall pick and who is still there, who had dropped all the way down to them and just waiting there to be picked. Jesper Wallstedt was still on the board at number 20. Edmonton has been waiting for their top goalie prospect. They've been waiting just to have that goalie, that franchise goalie. And Wallstedt could at least be a very good starter, if not a franchise player for them. But instead, Edmonton decided to trade away the number 20th pick and move down to number 22 and grab a third rounder from the Minnesota Wild, who stepped up and took Jesper Wallstedt. Now, the Minnesota Wild were not messing around at all. They know they have Kapokakinen, but they know what Wallstedt is, and that is a potential future franchise goalie. Um, and all credit to the Wild, Edmonton blowing it again. And I really liked um, the Minnesota Wild's picks. So they traded up from 22nd and gave up a third for wall set, which I think is perfectly fine. I think that's a steal for them. And then they also had the 26th pick who they took Carson Lambos, who was my diamond in the rough player that I really liked. He was injured last season, could have easily been a top 15, top 10 type of pick. Um, I think if he recovers, give him some time to grow. I think these are two very, very good picks and the wild have to be one of the biggest winners out of this NHL draft. Now we move on to the Montreal Canadiens. Um, and the hockey world was just absolutely stunned. Um, so they decided to select defenseman Logan Mayu. And if you're unaware about Mayu, um, there was he he took a picture of a girl and shared it with people, and she was performing a sexual act while he was in Sweden. Um, he has since apologized and taken full responsibility. And he even uh, renounced himself from the draft. However, if you're draft eligible, you can't a player can't renounce themselves. 
Um, so that's why the Canadians could draft him. But do you, you do have to kind of question the Canadians' uh, selection here. Now, don't get me wrong. Mayu is a great prospect, and he is a great player. But then you have those off-ice issues. Um, he personally did not want to be drafted. He said that he came out and renounced himself. So drafting him is just kind of a question there. And if you're going to take a chance on a guy like Mayu, you don't do it with your first round pick. You could easily, if you want to take a chance on him, go for him in like the third round. I guarantee you he'd still be there. He was, he was ranked 25th out of all prospects, but he was also on a bunch of teams, no draft list. Um, someone that they wouldn't even bother touching. Um, now, at the same time, he was 17. Um, people make mistakes, yes. Does he deserve a second chance? I mean, it, it's hard to talk about. Um, in this, it's hard because, like, yes, you got to believe he's he's taking it and taking the steps to get better. Um, obviously, he sh I think he should be given a second chance at some point. I just don't know if it was right to take him first. I don't know if it was right to take him at all. Maybe later down the line, if he's still good and has fixed his off-ice issues, maybe then you go ahead and pick him up. Um, but with the first round, I, I don't like this move. Um, and it's got it's to put a little bit of a damper on this Canadian team who just won, or excuse me, didn't win, just made it to the Stanley Cup final, and everyone has been so excited about this Canadians team. And you draft a player, and it just kind of puts a bad look on your franchise. Obviously, there's probably plenty of women who support the Montreal Canadiens, are big fans, and now we're going to question kind of the, the views. Do, do the Canadians only care strictly about hockey, or do they care about other world issues as well? Um, so that's kind of my little insight on that pick, but we're going to move on. And uh, to another pick, who he was, we're going to move to Atu Ratu, who was dropped all the way down to number 52 to the New York Islanders in the second round. Now, this guy was supposed to be going number one overall just like two or three years ago. Um, he has since dropped a lot, a lot. But you never know because he maybe he dropped off, but Maybe he can get back. Maybe if you develop him correctly. And he's a great two-way forward. And I think going into this New York Islanders team, I think he would fit very well in the future for their type of play style. And I really like that. And I really like this selection. Um, him dropping out of the first round is a bit crazy to me. And the fact that he dropped that late in the second round, I think is a very, very good pick. And another thing that we saw in this draft was family connections. Um, so in this year's draft, we saw Luke Hughes, who went at number four to the New Jersey Devils to join his brother Jack Hughes. And if you didn't see him getting selected and you didn't see how happy Jack Hughes was, it was crazy. He was jumping all over the place. They were so happy um, to be playing together. And maybe just maybe there's rumors circulating around already that maybe somehow the Devils try and nab up Quinn Hughes to get all three Quinn, or excuse me, all three Hughes brothers together. Another family connection we saw was Colton Dock, um, who is the brother of Kirby Dock, who was selected two years ago by the Blackhawks. Um, 
he went to go join his brother on the Blackhawks team now. Um, very solid pick. Um, and then we saw Josh Doan, uh, who went 37th to the Arizona Coyotes. Um, and if you don't know who his dad is, Shane Doan, longtime legend for the Coyotes team, played so many years with the team. He is actually now a part of the organization as the chief hockey development officer, helped and selected his own son, which I don't know if that's ever been done in the NHL before, but that was a really, really cool moment. Um, and hopefully Josh can do just as much as his his dad did for Arizona. If he even did half, they, it would be a great pick for them. And so speaking of families, this will smoothly transition us into some big things that have been happening so far, and that is the trades. Now, the first one we'll talk about because of families is between Chicago and Columbus, where Seth Jones will go join his brother, Caleb, on the Chicago Blackhawks. Now, this is a blockbuster trade. Seth Jones has been in trade rumors saying he doesn't want to be in Columbus. He had one more year left at the end, and then he would be a UFA. So Columbus sent Seth Jones the 32nd pick of this year's draft, which was Nolan Allen, and a 2022 sixth rounder. And in return, the Blue Jackets received from the Blackhawks Adam Bockfist, a tremendous prospect D-man. Um, he's also right shot. Um, he's 20 years old, if I am correct. And in addition, they also got the 12th overall pick, which they chose Cole Sillinger, who is phenomenal um great upside for not really good shot um could be that future number one center for them that hopefully they could hold on they also received the 44th pick in this last year's draft which was then flipped to the carolina hurricanes for jake bean i'll get into that afterwards and then they also got a conditional 2022 first round pick that becomes a 2023 first rounder if the Chicago Blackhawks get the first or second overall pick for 2022. So let's break this down. Um, so I think without a doubt, Columbus wins here. Um, getting First of all, getting Jake Bean for that second round pick, uh, Hurricanes came out and said, if anyone wants to give us a second round pick, we'll get Jake Bean. I don't know why they're trying to move on for Jake Bean. I think he's tremendous. Obviously they left him exposed as well. So I guess it's not that surprising. Um, but in return, they get Bockfist, who is a tremendous defensive prospect, and then Cole Sillinger with that pick, and they get another first-round pick next year or the year after, um, which will likely be in the top 15, I would assume, with the Chicago Blackhawks. And to add on to the hurt for the Blackhawks, this Seth Jones signed an eight-year extension at 9.5. Um, wow. That that's just a lot of money. Like, don't get me wrong. Seth Jones is a tremendous player, but I I don't know if he is worth nine point five. That's putting him up as one of the top paid defensemen in the league, and that'll take him to what twenty seven, twenty eight, twenty nine, thirty, thirty one. He would be thirty two at the end. Oh, wait, no, not even. Um, at the end of 2029, so uh, eight years from now, he's going to be 35 at the end of that contract, getting paid 
Um, I don't know how to feel about that. I also don't think this is good move for the Blackhawks because they're not a competitive team right now. Now, I know they just missed out on the playoffs, and I know that Patrick Kane and Jonathan Thames aren't getting any younger, but they have a pretty solid young core here. They got Alex Debrinkit, who's 23, Dominic Kubelik, who's 25, Dylan Strom, who's 24, Kirby Doc, who's 20, Philip Kurashev, who's 21, Mackenzie Entwitzel, who's 22, and Bokvis was only 20, and he fit in that age range perfectly, and I really liked Bokvis. Um but yeah, so he's going to go ahead and get to play with his brother, Caleb Jones, who's over there. Um, I think that uh, the Blue Jackets come away with the win here. They get two, they get two good defensemen in Bockfuss and Jake Bean. Cole Sillinger is a future prospect, and then they'll get a prospect next year. Um, yeah, I mean, Columbus did get, uh, or excuse me, the Blackhawks did get, another pick like third second Nolan Allen good defenseman but I I would I wouldn't say they won this trade at all I think they actually lost this trade I don't even think it's even um but that's just my opinion I guess we'll have to wait and see on that but next I'm going to talk about a trade that happened before that NHL entry draft and that was Alex Nandelkovich getting traded to the um Detroit Red Wings and in exchange the Red Wings sent over Bernier's rights to be signed um and the 94th overall pick which they used to take Aiden Hershuk um and Nadelkovich signed a two-year 3.5 million dollar extension with the Detroit Red Wings and Nadelkovich had a very good season and a very good postseason for the Carolina Hurricanes. So I'm not really sure what their logic was behind this. Um, two years at 3.5 is not expensive at all for a goaltender. Nevertheless, someone like Nedeljkovic, who had a great season and could be their, could have been their future number one goalie. Um, I'm just a bit shocked. There was rumors that came out in tweets and stuff like that, that, the Hurricanes offered Nadelkovich 1.5 million, saying that his run, and that was for one year, saying that his run wasn't enough to warrant a bigger contract and that he wasn't proven enough. Which, I mean, fair enough if you think that, but $3.5 million for a goaltender is not expensive at all, especially if it's only for two years. Um, I think I don't know what's going on with the Hurricanes right now, trading Jake Bean and now Nadelkovich. Um, I really hope that they're going to plan to do something big or splash out on a free agent if they thought that $2 million difference um, was quite big for them. Now, Jonathan Bernier is a very solid goalie, and I think could be very well fit there with the uh, Hurricanes, but I think Nadelkovich is better. Now, the next trade we have is Rasmus Ristolainen, and he, formerly of the Buffalo Sabres, who were just offloading their players, he goes to the Philadelphia Flyers. Now, the Philadelphia Flyers also already traded for Ryan Ellis from the Nashville Predators. Now they add another right shot defenseman to their team. However, they did have to pay quite a hefty price for him. They sent Robert Hag, who's just another defenseman, to kind of send a defenseman for a defenseman. They also got the 14th overall pick from the Philadelphia Flyers, which the Sabres used to select Isaac Rosen, who's a very solid winger. 
They also get a 2023 second round pick. Now, just that alone for Rasmus Ristolainen, I think is like maybe a bit of an overpay. Um, I think if you just send over like a second and a fourth for Ristolainen, I think that's good. But you had to give up a first rounder for him. But now get this. They also dealt Shane Goss's beer to the Coyotes because they were trying to dump off his cap. So in order for the Coyotes to take his cap, they had to throw in a 2022 second rounder and a seventh for them to take on that 4.5 for the next two years, which honestly isn't even that bad of a contract. So that's easily a big W for the Coyotes. Um, So if you look at it in total, what they had to do to get Rasmus Ristolainen, they had to give up Robert Hag, Shane Goss's beer, a first round pick, two second round picks, and a seventh pick, a seventh round pick, which just is not worth it at all. It's a complete overpay for Rasmus Ristolainen, um, who has had some kind of bad seasons. He was with Buffalo. Who knows? Is it the Buffalo effect? We saw Eric Stahl leave and he was doing really good. We saw Taylor Hall leave and he was doing good. Maybe it's the Buffalo effect, but his defense, he seemed like a defensive liability. I, I think it would have been a good move. I think they just overpaid. Um, but speaking of the Coyotes who took on bad contracts, uh, they also decided to deal Oliver ekman Larson and Connor Garland on over to the Vancouver Canucks. Now, in exchange, the Canucks gave them the ninth overall pick, which is good because they originally lost their pick um, and had to forfeit it, which was supposed to be the 11th. And with that ninth pick, they chose Dylan Gunther. And in addition, they also got a 2022 second round pick and a 2023 third, or excuse me, seventh round pick. They also retained 990K off of Oliver Ekman Larson, which is not really a lot um, for the next six years, but that makes his cap hit only 7.26 instead of the 8.1 that it was before. And the Coyotes also took on the contracts of Antoine Roussel, Jay Beagle, and Louis Erickson from the Vancouver Canucks. They are all on one-year contracts. Roussel's on $3 million for the next year. Beagle's on $3 million for the next year. And Erickson's on $6 million. So that's a combined $12 million that the Canucks got off the books. Now, obviously, if I'm the Coyotes, I think this is a great trade. Um, there was rumors they were going to be getting rid of Ekman Larson. Um, I'm surprised they were saying they were going to deal Connor Garland. Um, but right now, the only person that seems untouchable in Arizona right now is Jacob Chickering. Um, they got to take Dylan Gunther, who could be their future sniper, um, to play alongside of who knows that they have at that time. Um, and then they get some picks for him back. Um, so I, I think that's a great trade for both sides. I really like this for the Canucks as well. You get another sniper in Connor Garland, who's uh, an RFA. So they do have to sign him. I'm guessing he's going to be wanting around four, four and a half mil. They get Oliver Ekman Larson, who I think maybe just needed a change of scenery and really helps solidify. He'll probably be paying, playing on a second pair over there in um, in Vancouver. They will probably lose Nate Schmidt, um, so he'll just replace him right there. Uh, but yeah, I think a pretty solid trade between both teams, and I think both teams come away with a, with a p- potential win here. 
The next trade we have is uh, Pavel Buchnevich of the New York Rangers is going to the St. Louis Blues for Sammy Blay in a 2022 second round pick. Um, now, Pavel Buchnevich is an RFA and he was probably going to want a pretty good contract. I'm guessing he's going to get um, somewhere maybe six million for five and a half or something like that. Some some longer term contract, probably in the five or six year range, I would assume in between somewhere around like 4.75 to $6 million, depending on what the Blues want to do. Um, now, Pavel Buchnevich could be that replacement for Vladimir Tarasenko, maybe that they're looking to move on for. Um, for this move for the Rangers, seems like they're kind of dumping out cap that they're not going to be able to afford. Um, they do have $20 million of cap space, but that makes you wonder, are they trying to clear up cap space to try and get Jack Eichel maybe because Jack Eichel does have a cap hit of seven or excuse me 10 million dollars so maybe that's what they're doing trying to clear some cap space maybe trying to make some other moves maybe acquire some assets to include in that trade for Jack Eichel maybe Sammy Blade gets flipped the other way we don't really know yet but right now this looks like a win for the St. Louis Blues if the New York Rangers don't get Jack Eichel or make any additional moves um, Pavel Buchnevich, a very solid forward. Next trade we have is quite straightforward. It was between the Philadelphia Flyers once again and between the Columbus Blue Jackets, who have also been quite active. They just straight swapped Jakob Voracek for Cam Atkinson. Now Cam Atkinson is on four years at 5.8, where Voracek is on three years at 8.25. Voracek is definitely the better player. He's a bit older. Atkinson's a bit younger. I believe he's 28 and Voracek is 31. Um, and all I can say is that it's, well, we know that the Flyers wanted to get rid of Voracek's contract, but maybe this is just kind of a way of the Blue Jackets, like kind of messing with their team and uh, kind of switching things up because Kim Atkinson has been there for such a long time. Um, and he's always been a very solid player for them. Maybe they're just trying to change the mentality. Obviously we saw them move Dubois as well, moving Seth Jones and just trying to start fresh new era. They're going to have a new coach um, as Tortorella is not there, but yeah, I don't know really how to rate this trade right now. Um, I think both, I think the Flyers get what they want. They moved on from Voracek and have Atkinson, who's probably maybe an easier contract to move. Um, Voracek could be very solid for Columbus, though, but I'm not sure if they're going to be competing next year. And the final move we have that was made here in the draft was we saw Buffalo Sabres trade away one of their best players, a center, Sam Reinhardt, not Jack Eichel. Jack Eichel has not left yet. Sam Reinhardt was traded to the Florida Panthers for a 2022 first rounder and goalie prospect Devin Levi. Um, Devin Levi could be a decent prospect. Obviously, the Panthers don't need him. They have Spencer Knight and Sergei Bobrovsky right now. Um, and a first, now people are questioning, did the Buffalo Sabres get enough for Sam Reinhardt? Well, he was an RFA. Um, maybe you could have actually got a second round pick in there too. That's the only thing I would have said overall. I don't think it's a bad trade, uh, for the Buffalo Sabres, um, moving on They're They're really moving on from basically everything and just 
going full rebuild again. Um, now that Jack Eichel's older, he's going to be moving real soon. Um, I'm, I'm sure I could see him moving this offseason. It seems like LA, Anaheim, Minnesota, and New York Rangers are the top four runners for him. The Canadians were rumored to be going after him. But in order for the Canadians to get them, I think they're going to have to give up either Caulfield or Suzuki, which I think they're unwilling to do. But as far as for the Florida Panthers, I think Sam Reinhart is a great pickup for them. Now, he is 25, if I am not mistaken, and he's going to be he's an RFA. So he's going to need a new contract. And he had a pretty solid season last year. Um, I'm just checking the age of him right now just to make sure that I didn't mess it up. He's 25. Uh, Reinhardt's 25. I think you could sign Reinhardt long term right now. You will have to sign Alexander Barkov in a year and Jonathan Huberdeau in two years, which is something you have to keep into consideration. Um, but I think if you get Reinhardt locked up for another six years, maybe something like that, six years at 6.5. That would be a very good contract for Sam Reinhart. Uh, could play wing or center on that second line. And that would allow Jonathan Huberdeau to go back up to the first line and play alongside of Alexander Barkov. I really like that move from the Florida Panthers. And I think Sam Reinhart is going to fit really well in there uh, with that team. Um, we saw Sam Bennett move on from the Calgary Flames and fit in very well down there. So that is going to do it for today's episode. Thank you all so much for listening as we reviewed the past couple of days of exciting hockey news in both the draft and blockbuster trades. Um, teams now have the next couple of days to sign their free agents. And then on July 28th, free agency opens up. Um, should be a good one. Um, I'm going to be in that away for the next week, but when I come back, I will be looking at all the free agent signing moves and any trades that may have happened. Maybe Eichel will have been moved by then, um, but all the more likely that's going to happen on August 3rd that I will be back and record my episode and have it posted, but make sure to follow me here on Spotify and I'll catch you all next time for another episode of Top Shelf. 